All right, this is AP and Spence. We're two lawyers talking college sports and sports law in general. And what is significant about this episode, my friend AP? Yeah, this is the start of season three, uh, which is a big deal. We had a season one. I think that went 40 some odd episodes. Season two went a little longer, I think. And now we're starting season three right on the cusp of college football starting. Did we do that intentionally? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe we did. Maybe we did. But I have have something to play here. Listen, season three, let's go. Uh, Not bad. How about that? That's the ta-da. Ta-da. Yeah, absolutely. Here we are. Here we are. We're back. We're ready to go. I know you missed us. Yeah, absolutely. We took a little week off there. Um, You know, and I don't know. I say this every time, but I feel like we're going to have a pretty exciting segment three. I think that we're going to be able to get some really good guests. We might even get a trip in somewhere. Let's do it. You know Let's what go. I mean? Um, yeah, we're and, going out of the BYU-USC game at yeah, the end of the year. Yeah, we'll be BYU-USC. I'm going to be at USC-Stanford coming up. Uh, maybe we'll have some kind of remote podcast. I love it. And love it. Uh, we'll talk to some folks while we're there and, and bring you the college football that everybody wants to, to dig into. I really think that's one of America's best sports. For sure. College football. And, and right now we have a heavy college football segment uh spence what are some of the things we're going to talk about today well okay so first there's been a number of of schools that are that are dealing with some ncaa violations we're going to get to that in our rules ed segment we're going to talk about what happened at baylor and the and the and the penalties that are associated with baylor uh but first we're going to talk about this proposal for an for basically a i scratch your back you scratch my back you know, agreement between the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC. So what I'm hearing is, is that basically these three conferences are banding together and they're saying to TV partners, hey, listen, we are all going to agree that each one Pac-12 school is going to play a Big Ten and Big Ten and ACC school every year. And we're going to make it so that the better programs play the better programs every year. So USC could play you know, Penn State and then Virginia, right? Or uh, Penn State and Florida State one year, right? And then and then Oregon could play Ohio State and Clemson. And so it's going to bolster everybody because you're going to be playing the better programs. And the lower tier programs, like Washington State would play Duke. And so just similar to what they do with the ACC Big Ten Challenge each year in basketball. The better programs play the better programs. The higher rated programs play the higher rated programs. So I guess at first blush, what do you think about this potential agreement between the three, between these three power players? Yeah, as a fan of this, I would, I would love to see USC open up against Michigan, right? Oregon versus Ohio State, which we're going to get this year, actually. That's right. We were supposed uh, to have it last year. Yeah, Clemson, Penn State, those kind of games would be exciting and fun and early on. My fear is this, though, for the Pac-12. The Pac-12's had trouble getting into the, co- the championship already, and they're eating each other up. Now, if you're going to add, like if USC says, oh, you're going to play Michigan week one, and week two you're playing Clemson, and then you have Notre Dame in there, and then your Pac-12 slate, they're going to think, gosh, that schedule is brutal. And I'm going to go eight and four, and then oh, you're eight and four. We're not taking you to the playoffs. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I agree 100. percent So, because what what benefit does USC? What's the benefit for USC now this year? They're opening up against San Jose State, yeah. a team that's picked to finish in the middle to the lower end of the Mountain West, yeah. right? Yeah. Not a great program. USC way yeah. out recruited them, but what? So, what's the benefit to USC? To playing one of those. Now, I know USC doesn't play FCS schools, right? That's right. one of their things that they don't They've do. They've never done. BYU plays an FCS school every year. 
But, you know, that's kind of a tune-up game. You know, then you look at, like, Alabama, who will play in the middle of their season. They'll play some team from the Sun Belt or, yeah. or some, you know, some southern Alabama and just demolish them 70-7. to yeah. I never really understood those games, right? But, but Alabama gets a pass for it because they play in the mighty SEC or whatever. Yeah. But, but what benefit does USC get from playing one of this lower-tiered Division I schools versus playing... Go Clemson, just open up your season. Yeah, absolutely none. And I'll tell you what, I I was a huge advocate for USC getting away from playing Alabama every year, and we played Ohio State, because we already have a built-in tough game with Notre Dame. Now they would always add this second. Remember, we played back-to-back years, or not back-to-back years, but a few years apart. We played Alabama to open up the game and got... And you know, lost both games. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't win those games. And and so one of them got canceled because of COVID. Oh, right. So that that's saved. Right. That, but the other one got trounced in it. Um, even if we had won it, you get beat up winning it. You know, and so I don't know what the huge advantage is because really who makes the playoffs are the people that are 11-1 and one or 12-0. and 0. Right. People that are 8-4, and 9-3, and three, but have a tough schedule aren't making the playoffs generally because there's only four slots right now. Right. Well, the year that, like, for example, the year that Washington won, went to the playoffs – like I seem to recall, I could bring it up, but I seem to recall that their non-conference schedule that year was like Eastern Washington, Rutgers, and Hawaii, or someone like that. Right? It was so light that ESPN put cupcakes on the on the the field and had an article, and Washington got mad about it, right? And had a complaint up to ESPN because ESPN was making fun of their schedule, right? So they so they played three just lower tiered, not great teams to start off their season. And then they went through and they won the Pac-12. But the, they got, I think that year they had Oregon at home. Mm-hmm. I, think they had U, I think they avoided USC. Yep. You know, so they, so they, they, they avoided the better programs. And the one hardest game that they had was Oregon at home. And they won that. So good for them. Mm-hmm. But then they played the Pac-12 North and they trounced everybody they played. Played Utah. And they played Utah. You know, I think that was at home. I mean, it was just, yeah. it seemed it was, like. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So it was like, it was like, it was just perfectly set up for them. Yeah. Right. And I feel like. I feel like, um, you know, bat- a lot of basketball programs will do this, where they'll play 13 non-conference games and they're all cupcakes. And then they get into the harder schedule. And then, then they just, you know, they don't get great, which is what happened with, you, with Washington, right? They yep. ended up making the playoffs. They kind of got, you know, trounced, trounced in the playoffs yep. because they hadn't, you know, they hadn't played anybody. Yep. So, so I agree. I think this, this type of an agreement would benefit – as far as the fan, from a fan standpoint. Yeah, and probably I, money. Yeah, and money. I would much rather see <coughs> USC play Clemson than USC play San Jose State, personally, as Absolutely. a fan. Absolutely, yeah. No, but I'm not, a, I'm not a USC guy, right? Yeah. I want, last year, BYU got more notoriety than they have in years. They had a lighter schedule. Because we had a lighter schedule. We went 11-1, and one, and we played teams from the Sun Belt and from the Conference USA and Mountain West. And we didn't really have anybody on our schedule that was any major, you know, big, big deal, right? Yeah. And then we threw together some random game against Coastal Carolina, and we lost that game. And they, they were pretty good. But other than that game, the rest of our teams that we were playing was Louisiana Tech, Texas State, you know, uh, 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 we played Houston, mm-hmm. you know, so we didn't play a bunch of world beaters, right? Yeah. And we won and we got a lot of notoriety and we finished ranked top in the top 15 in the nation. Right? I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's exactly right. And I, I had a conversation. I'll, uh, so this guy named Steve Lopes 
Uh, now he he's no longer at USC, but he was when he was there. He was the chief financial officer, the COO, basically number two in charge of USC athletics. Great guy. He actually has an Oregon background. I worked for him for a long time, and uh, I don't know if you want me sharing this conversation or not, but I'm going to share it. He didn't say keep it quiet. We were uh, having a conversation. We were on a road trip uh, to Alabama when USC was playing Alabama. I was sitting next to him at dinner. And I told him, I said, why do you think USC always scheduled these kind of games? Alabama, Texas, Ohio State. We already have Notre Dame. And he admitted, he goes, it's stupid. It doesn't make sense. He goes, because what's happening is if we win them, we're all beat up and a bunch of our players are hurt. Mm -hmm. And we lose it, we're like off the radar. And so we're really not getting a lot out of it. And I said, yeah, we should be scheduling these FCS schools, these Wyomings. And because Oregon did that for a long time. Oregon would schedule Wyoming. Portland State and South Dakota beat them 70-3 to every three, all right. three games. They're 3-0, nobody's hurt, let's go, right? There's a lot of buzz. USC would schedule Alabama and Texas and, and lose these games. Everybody's bombed, people are hurt, and it doesn't make any sense. And so he agreed, and we, USC was about to schedule UC Davis, their first U, uh, FCS school. And then there was a new athletic director that came in, Mike Bone. And he was like, oh, no, we're not doing this. We're not about this at USC. And I think he saw it as a good opportunity to get an easy win for himself. Um, and so he's like, no, no, we're, we're all about playing a tough schedule. USC's been about playing a tough schedule for way too long and hurt themselves. They keep going. Nobody wants to see a 9-3 and three team in the playoffs. They don't care if you played Alabama 12 times. If you're 9-3, and three, they don't want to see you. They want to see the 11-1, 12-0 team. So it's better to go 11-1 or 12-0. That's much better than to go 9-3 and three with a brutal schedule. USC hasn't learned that, and a lot of teams haven't learned that. BYU learned that this last year. Would you want to see that, Spence, as a BYU fan? Like, well, let's get Ohio State on the books, then let's get Clemson on the books, and then let's get Alabama, and then USC, and let's say BYU starts 0-4, and, and they're trounced in all the games. Are you going to be excited about that? You're going to think, I'm great that we have all these great games, but we're getting our butts kicked. Or would you rather have four cupcakes? You're 4-0, you're ranked 13th, and there's a ton of buzz. Right. So for me, as a fan, I'd rather be number 13 and have a ton of buzz and play a bunch of cupcakes. That's more fun for me as a fan. <laughs> yeah. Right? And you get a ton of buzz. So... I mean, I'm telling you, the SEC does this every year, and they don't—they get a pass. That's what I don't understand. Yeah, they get a pass. This is going to make it worse. Now, I know the Pac-12 thing, and we're going to get a better TV deal. We'll get more money. That's going to help us catch up to the SEC because we're going to get more money, then more recruits, more facilities. I don't think a lot of Pac-12 programs have a money problem necessarily. Stanford, do you have a money problem? USC, do they have a money problem? Washington, Oregon? A lot of these schools don't have money problems. It's, it's exposure problems, that sort of thing. Maybe this gets some more exposure, but you're getting the wrong exposure because you're all going to beat each other up the first half, and then you're going to have three SEC teams in the championship. Right. But that's – but I feel – see, I just I, – I'm, I'm not a conspiracy guy, as you know, but that's what I feel like they want. I think they want the SEC because that, has, that draws the most eyeballs, gets them the most money. And they want to keep these – they want to keep the cute little Pac-12 out of there. Yep. So, I mean – if I'm a TV guy, if I'm a TV fan and I'm a fan, you know, just a random fan, I like this deal, right? I, I want to see better games. Oh, yeah. If you're but Billy it, Bob in Nebraska and you're yeah, just a college football just fan. Just a college football junkie, which I am. Yeah, you're thinking But I don't cool. want BYU playing a tougher schedule. I, and I know you don't want no. USC necessarily playing a tough, tougher schedule. No. But that's, that's what they're trying to sell. So yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to see if this plays out. I suspect it will because they've got to do something – to counter out to counteract the SEC becoming a power conference. Yeah. They've got to get together. They've got to they've got to and you know also what does this do to the Big 12? Well, I think the Big 12's in big trouble, right? Yeah. I mean the Big 12 is has big trouble. big trouble. You know, 
the other conferences are lining up. The Big 12's shrinking. They're losing people. I honestly think they're going to bust up and they're going to get cherry-picked into a few other conferences, some of the other teams, and then they'll end up being some funky small program that's a bust. You know, And I think that makes sense because the Big 12 middle of the country, it wasn't really working anyways. They had to get to the media markets and right. the, the south and the, <clears throat> the west. So it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah. But I'm just not a fan of this right now. Yeah, well, we'll see what ends up happening. And I looked it up. That year that Washington made the, uh, the playoffs, they played Rutgers. I was right there. Idaho and Portland State. So I said yep. Eastern Washington. But, Same so, idea. Th- so three cupcakes. And they actually lost to USC that year, 26-13. Uh, uh, to 13. So think about that. I remember this game, Spencer, and you just reminded me. We won 26-13, to 13 and it was in Seattle. That's right. Think and, about and that. And then USC. And then USC that year was, was <clears throat> you guys ended up number five. That was the year that you guys went and played in the Rose Bowl and beat Penn State. And beat Penn State. Right. And there was arguments that some people said after we beat Penn State – we should have been in the playoffs that year. But what happened is we had a, such a bad loss to Alabama to start that year. Yeah, Alabama was, you guys lost 52-6. to six. And then you guys lost to Stanford, mm-hmm. who was really good, 10-27. Uh, to, 10 to 27. Then, And then you guys lost to Utah. Yeah. At Utah. At Utah. So you started out 1-3, and, and, and then you <laughs> turned it on, and then you, you didn't lose again. Do you know, when we went 1-3, and three, you know what Sam Darnold's first game was? Utah it was right. his very first game. He didn't play the other three games, so he had a loss, and then he went out. He went out. Once we had Sam Darnold. Close, 31-27. Yeah, yeah, and we should have won it. We were down in the fourth quarter, and we almost came back. But Sam Darnold ran the table, basically. We had... Demolishing a, teams. I mean, you guys were beating teams by 20, 25 almost every time. Yeah, if we had started Sam Darnold the first season, we wouldn't have beat Alabama, but we wouldn't have lost as bad. It would have been something... I remember that Penn State game. That was a heck of a game. Yeah, I was there on the field. Uh, still got the Rose Bowl rings, and, and yeah, it was an amazing game. I was on the field for it, working in compliance at the time. But I remember T. Martin in the hallway when I'm staying there, and there, there was conversations about what do we do? Do I mean, What do we do? Do we do? Uh, what are the rules if we don't... You know, if we play a kid are they bound here I think there were some thoughts I think everybody knew Sam Darnold was the guy I think the fear was if they started Sam Darnold over the quarterback they had at the time the other quarterback was going to bail and they were going to be too thin with the freshman they didn't want to do that right so they had to give him some time <clears throat> let him play a couple of games uh, that's why we lost but the, so the USC should have been in the playoffs that year that shows Washington played like one good team lost, lost it. it. Uh, they were in the playoffs. So the, the, the system doesn't care if you're good or bad or their strength or their schedule. They just don't. Yeah. They, they just care are you 11-1 or 12-0. So why put set yourself up to get a couple of early losses? It doesn't make sense um, under the system we have now. Now, if the playoffs expand to like 10, 12 teams, right. this might make sense. And if you have like an automatic bid, right. then sure. Because okay. you'll see teams in the March Madness every year that'll get in. That'll be 16 and 14, but they played the number two hardest schedule. Yeah, you know, and in that, and in those sixteen wins, they beat number one Duke, and they, you exactly. know, then they lost to to number two Virginia or whatever, and yeah. then and that's okay. They kind yeah. of offset. Yeah, I remember Kirk Herbstreit one time said, uh, he goes, "Oh, well, college football, everyone's always mad, but they have the best regular season. That's great, but they have the worst postseason." Yeah, for sure. Right, so we got to fix that. I think. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on it and again, let you know what we end up hearing. All right, this is AP and Spencer, two lawyers talking college sports and sports law in general. Um, so uh, this is season three, episode one. We had a great conversation about this realignment stuff, uh, but let's move right into what happened to Baylor. So a little facts about Baylor. About 
six years ago now, I believe, a Baylor uh, University football team got involved into a, a pretty scandalous uh, you know, pretty scandalous issue at their school. So essentially what had happened was their coach at the time named Art Bryles had recruited all of these players, a number, a handful of players, I think there was four or five, that had had prior sexual assault allegations against them at their prior programs, and the prior programs had kicked them out of the program. They uh, they got a kid from Boise State and a kid from Washington State and a kid from, you know, Auburn. I can't remember where they all came from, but they came from all over the country. And Art Bryles went out and got all these kids who were special talents to come and play at Baylor. So are you saying that he had knowledge of their past transgressions? I, he had to have. He had to have. So, and I, so, he, so, so they all come to Baylor, and lo and behold, these kids then go to Baylor, and they start doing the same kind of thing, right? Uh, right, potentially. Um, and so then the Baylor football kind of community kind of put it, hit it, kind of kept it under wraps, didn't let you know, kind of... Shamed some of the from some of the people, some of the young women who were making these allegations, did wouldn't report it to the police. So there was a lot of stuff that was really, really underhanded and really, really gross and, and awful, right? So uh, come to find out, the, so the NCA finds out about it, and they they're like, boom, Baylor, you guys are in trouble. Baylor quickly files Art, fires Art Bryles. He's gone. This was right after the Bryles had just won, done really well. Robert Griffin III had just won the, uh, the, the Heisman. Baylor, Baylor, was, ba becoming Baylor was coming, becoming some, some major program. And, uh, and so, so at the time, the NCAA said, hey, we're going to investigate this. We're going to see if there's any uh, NCAA violations, and then we're going you know, to hammer you. Now, and this was right after Penn State had been hammered for the Jerry Sandusky stuff, and then they retracted those penalties, right? Mm -hmm. So the NCAA came out a couple of weeks ago. This was during our break. And essentially said, Baylor, you didn't violate any NCAA rules. And so they found, I guess they found them, they had violated some small recruiting issues. So they slapped him with a $5,000 fine and basically said, uh, you know, you're... You're, you know, you're off the hook. So there was a lot of blowback to this, right? That basically a lot of people were saying, hey, the NCAA doesn't have any teeth, no, no response. And, 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 you know, similar, you know, Stuart Mandel, who's a great writer with The Athletic, wrote a tweet saying, okay, just so I'm clear, UNC can create fake classes and, 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 and give, give out fake grades, no penalty. Boise State tennis player, international tennis player, comes and sleeps on the couch of one of the other players. Penalty. Baylor can have sexual assault things going on in their program and cover it up. No penalty. So he was updating the NCAA rulebook. So, so you know, I mean, what? so first of all, do you agree with the NCAA's decision in this case? You know, because... Technically, they're saying they didn't violate any NCA rules, so we have no uh, we have no authority, no standing, right, to penalize Baylor. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I think technically I agree that that's true. The NCA jurisdiction doesn't reach cleanly into some of these areas. Now they've, after the fact, added some stuff about academic misconduct into the manual to make some of that now going forward have more teeth. They didn't have some of these transitions. They do have an ethics piece 
in the manual, but it deals a little bit more with like coaches lying to the NCA, coaches lying to compliance, doing something unethical, in like in a part of investigation or they're recruiting. It doesn't cleanly fit into criminal activities, sexual assault, violence, theft, um, that sort of thing, right? And so the NCAA, I think, tried looking at this. Do we have any angles? Is there anything we can do? We can't, because if they overstepped and found them for something that didn't happen, the lawyers would come in and say, whoa, hey, these aren't NCAA rules. Right, that's what happened in the Penn State case. Yep. The Penn State got blasted, three-year Postseason ban, ma- major, ma- I mean, almost the death, one of the worst penalties yeah. since the USC penalty with Reggie Bush yeah. and since the death penalty against SMU. I mean, yeah. those are the ones that are coming to mind as far as the most damaging yep. to the program. Yep. But yep. then they kind of walked back quickly, right? Yeah. Quickly walked back and said, you know, maybe those Penn State penalties were a little too harsh. You guys are okay to go to a. I think they only missed one year of bowl game, and yeah. and then they were fine, and then they retracted the scholarship productions and everything. They came so. right back, you know, and and they're embarrassed, and their history is kind of tarnished, and the statues came down. But I think the NC, the casual fan will see it and think, well, gosh, these guys are doing bad things, and the NC is doing nothing to them. And it's like, yeah, that's true. It's just out of our jurisdiction. You know, it's one of those things where, let's say, if you call the cops because you're having a neighborly dispute. And the cops say, hey, oh, sorry, it's just a civil matter. You know, you can sue the person or something like that. We're not coming out. Well, cops aren't doing anything. The guy's trees hanging over my property, right? It's a, it's, that's a terrible, uh, and I'm not trying to relate this situation to right. that. No, but I got you. Yeah. Just that kind of idea. It's sort of like that. The NCAA would love to do something and fix the problem, but they don't have anything that they can put their teeth on. Because if they do it inappropriately, you know, Baylor's going to hire lawyers that know the NCAA rules, and they're going to say, nope, you've overstepped your bound. Right. Show us the rules. Right. So that's that's the problem. Now, I bet you, after the fact, the NCAA goes and adds some of um, some of the uh, issues that are here into the manual. And, you know, they're going to go in there, and they're going to say, hey... Let's see if we can get some sexual assault. Like maybe they can do misconduct or if a kid commits a crime, they need to build in the jurisdiction for themselves and educate. They just haven't done it. But that's kind of dangerous. You start getting into But I don't think it's that dangerous. If you built into the NCAA manual, hey, if a kid's convicted of a crime while eligible, these violations for the school. Yeah, well, I mean, the NFL has a code of conduct. The NBA has a code of conduct. Especially with name, image, and likeness coming down. Right. They probably need it. They're going to have, they're going to have, they could have, I feel like they could easily put in some type of a code of conduct in the manual. That would, that would, you know, because, I mean, you you don't want these, you know, you, you know, I mean, everybody deserves a second chance maybe, but, but sometimes there, there, there are things that kids can do that just is like, you know, this kid, this kid's a problem. And, and so the NCA, I mean, the, the NFL has a code of conduct. You, you, you violate this code of conduct, we're suspending you, and potentially we're kicking you out of the league, right? And, and anyways, it's just, it just seems to me, like, I agree with what you're saying, and, and, and the, in the end, I think it's probably the right decision. I don't like it. No. I, think, I think the NCA sh- you know, should have authority to do something, to penalize Baylor for their for the atrocities that they allow to happen on their on the campus. And it seems like the ethics piece is an area that's and, right for that. Right. But they but they just can't do it. They just yeah, they don't have the standing, they don't have the ability. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any fallout to Baylor, you know. I mean the kids that are there now, they've got a new coach, uh, they've got a new the new whole no whole, whole new program. They brought in Matt Rule who's mm-hmm. like this very uber religious 
you know, great guy who came in and, and we're doing things right here. And, and he turned, he turned that program around. Then he jumped for the N- NFL. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see what happens um, with, as Baylor continues, but yeah, the, the blowback to what the, the NCA sa- said in this decision was a lot of people saying this is kind of a ridiculous penalty, but it is what it is. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, Basically, I see here, like, the COI Chair Joel Maturi uh, just says in a little article I'm reading online here, the seven members of the panel believe there could have been or should have been avenues to address, talking about the Baylor scandal in terms of major sanctions, but in the end, there wasn't a bylaw that fit the literal crimes. said, well, where's the bylaw to prevent sexual assault? Where's the bylaw on date rape? Where's the bylaw on? And they just couldn't quite fit it. Neatly. You've got to have a code of conduct. I, I really think the NCA needs to have a code of conduct rule, just like the NFL, yeah. just like the Have NBA. a code of conduct. Have a code of conduct that, that requires, you know, that says you need, to, you need to adhere. And if you don't, if you aren't adhering, just like the NFL, the, the, you can be put on the commissioner's list. You know, yep. I'm, uh, You're not if, eligible. If you, are, if you are convicted of domestic violence or some type of a crime, you are going to be, you're going to be on a, you're going to be on a commissioner's list. You're going to be on the... Uh, you know, and, and we're going to take you off. We're going to suspend you for some time or maybe even kick you out of the, out of the NCA altogether. So that's I like what it. I think probably should happen. I like it. Yeah, there's been arguments against that. Oh, the NCA shouldn't, uh, you know, legislate morality. But to your point, sports do it. All sports. And, and we're go- major we're, sports do it. And we're moving towards a major sport with name, image, and likeness. Why can't we also legislate morality? Seems like a reasonable step. Yeah. All right, so now moving on, uh, we have a number of rules. Uh, we're going to get into our rules edge education situation here. Now, we've talked a lot about the Arizona State case, uh, where essentially what was happening was, uh, you know, they were doing some recruiting, on-campus recruiting and person recruiting during the dead period, which is a big-time no-no, right? Yeah, yeah. one of the worst, yeah. Um, and in fact, even more so because this was during the COVID lockdowns and and, you know, it kind of smacks like, well, we don't really care what the NCA says. Anyway, anyways, mm-hmm. come to find out Nebraska and the Cornhuskers were doing the same kind of stuff. And and so they, so now Nebraska's in a bit of hot water because Nebraska is also was also proven to have been doing the same type of recruiting on campus in person recruiting during the dead period. So typically. Are those are those level one violations? Are these are these big time violations if you're recruiting during a dead period? Yeah, that, those are big time. The dead period is one of the harshest penalties in recruiting. The reason being is they want to really give a strong stick to it to prevent people from doing it. We don't want you recruiting during this time. We're not going to slap you on the wrist. We're going to make it a heavy penalty. That way you don't do it. And so yeah, if if you're especially during COVID, you're exposing people maybe to, to COVID issues, you're not following what's a national emergency, everybody's shut down, you're trying to get an unfair advantage by recruiting. Uh, they're going to hammer these programs quite a bit. Um, now, Arizona State, they've, they've suspended, I think last count was four or five coaches that have been suspended from the team due to these violations, they're tr- trying to kind of self-penalize, right? It'll be interesting to see, and I haven't seen any action taken by Nebraska yet. Well, you know what's interesting? Scott Frost, right? So he's under investigation. He's throwing compliance under the bus. He says, 
Everything we did through COVID was in the best interest and health of our players in mind, and everything we did was approved by the Athletic Department Administration and Campus Administration. Whoa. That's a big... So what now? Now you wonder, did he go to somebody in compliance there and say, can we do this? And they said, yeah, you can. Here's why. Because they're also being accused that they had some impermissible uh, practice violations. Right. Right? And then there's vi- video footage of it. And he's saying that, no, no, no that's fine. That, Looks like compliance might have said that's okay. Well, and, and, and we know, I mean, you know, you've talked about this all the time, that coaches would just pop their head in. It's dangerous. Nonstop, and they would ask you questions, and they would want the answer right then. Yes. And when we toured Oregon State, we actually had that happen, right? We were yeah. touring around with the head of compliance, uh, and, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this assistant coach for the basketball team comes running up. Hey, this is going on. At the, the, we want to get these coaches down to these, to these programs. Is this okay? Yep. Wanting an answer right then. Yeah, and they give you like 10% of the information. And what's your response in that situation? Yeah, my response, and they didn't love this, right? You know, I probably wasn't the most popular person on campus, but my response was like, oh, great, coach. Sounds good. Why don't you shoot me an email with all the details? Uh, I need to know X, Y, Z, and I'll give it a look. Oh, yeah, I don't have time. I I need to know. I need to know. Well, shoot. Yeah, if you need to know in the next five minutes, sorry you waited so long to to ask me. Um, It's going to have to be a no. Um, now we probably could get to a yes. I could probably find a way to get there, but I'm gonna need all the details and vet it out. Right now I'm in the middle of a meeting. I have this tomorrow. So I probably wouldn't be able to get to it for a couple days. And oftentimes I'm like, oh shit, okay, all right. Well, maybe I'll, let me talk to the coach. And then sure enough, I would get an email with a bunch of details and it right. wasn't as urgent as they, that right. they had made it out to be. Sometimes it was. Because these assistant coaches who are asking, because it's, it's rarely the head coach. Almost right? never. Assistant right. coaches, ops people, right. lower level people, people in their early 20s. GAs, trying to make yeah. good names for themselves, trying to work yeah. themselves up the ladder, show that they can get these things done. Yeah, overly and head, aggressive. And the head coach or one of the major assistant coaches is like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? And then the, and then the GA or the assistant coach is like, oh, okay, I've got it. Like, I got an idea. And they're all energetic and they come at you and, yeah. and they ask you a question. So. If you're not prepared for that type of stuff, you, you, can, you can get your school into some hot water, right? Well, imagine this. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I've done it. I've been sitting alone in the, in the football office at USC. USC's ranked number three or five or seven in the country. We got Sam Darnold on the cover of ESPN Magazine sitting on my desk. He was just in my office. And I'm sitting there and Clay Helton walks in and goes, Aaron, quick question for you. It's not a big deal if we do X, Y, and Z and uh, have an official visit and we're, we're on a, doing this and we're going to do that, right? That would be fine. They always ask it in that kind of manner of like, this is obviously okay, but right. I'm just kind of, right? And now if, if my mind, if I'm thinking about something else or I need to get home, my stomach's hungry, my, my daughter's doing something, it's very easy to go, uh, yeah, no, I think that's totally fine. Yeah, no problem. I think as long as you do that, yeah, that's good, right? And off the cuff, you give an answer. Right. You go back to work. You're driving home that night and you go, ooh, Uh-oh. wait a minute. Yeah. I didn't ask about this, though. I'm sure they're not doing this, right? Well, I didn't ask. Let me ask. Hey, coach, you guys aren't doing X, Y, and Z, though, right? Yeah, we are. We're already there. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. Right? Right. That's how that can happen. That's the kind of stuff that kept me up at night. And, and now if you have a major violation, it doesn't matter if it was my fault or whose fault it was. It's on the ticker. Right. USC major sanctions. Yeah, right. I mean, if this type of thing is happening uh, at, uh, you know, some smaller FCS school, it might be on ESPN. But the Nebraska stuff is like headline news. Headline right? news. Because Nebraska is a flagship program. So they would put people in positions to answer those questions 
that were the best of the best in the entire business. Ohio State, Notre Dame, USC, Oregon. You know, you can't have people in those positions that can say something wrong because you can never be wrong. Because as right. soon as you're wrong, it's not like a little like sip like, okay, maybe if you're an attorney and you go, oh, I was wrong. Uh, I'm going to file a little PLF thing. I got sued. Shoot, my insurance goes up a little bit. That sucks. I didn't want that to happen. I made a boo-boo. But nobody's putting that on ESPN. Right. Like, you know, Spencer Kelly gave bad legal advice, and now da 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 right? And you're like, holy smoke. And, and so, uh-huh. you know, it, it's a scary, right? Yeah. And so that, yeah, so I feel bad. And then coaches can do this kind of stuff and call you out in the media. They're right. not calling their names out, but they're saying, Athletic, the compliance told us it was okay. That doesn't look good. That doesn't look good for anybody. And now your relationship's kind of strained, yeah. too, because Scott Frost is in the crosshairs. Um, yeah, so he's under investigation for practices. You know, that shouldn't have happened. COVID stuff, you know, recruiting. recruiting yeah. um, now, you know. now, now, Scott Frost has not really been performing, right? The, Nebraska's been down. They haven't had any really – they haven't been a great program for the last couple of years, number of years. And Nebraska is a former powerhouse, right? So, yeah. you know, it's interesting to see that this stuff is kind of coming out here. I wonder who's – I'm doing all that, you know? Yeah, because I think he was supposed to be the next hot thing, right? Right. He was supposed to be... He came from UCF and was unbelievable. And crushing it. I feel like it's a lot of... It's a little bit Tom Herman-like. Right. Came to Texas. I think everybody thought this is the next sexy, hot coach that's going to come in and change football. And it fizzled out. didn't really work. And and Scott Frost is kind of... His name's become kind of tarnished. It's not really working out. And so that kind of took a lot of luster off those kind of up-and-coming coaches that did great at a smaller school, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to immediately do right. good at the next school. Right. So maybe he's feeling a little pressure. Hey, let's, you know, let's uh, do a few things here. Let's get a little cute with the rules. Let's work off off the clock. Let's go. Because if you think about it, if you have more practice time than someone else, it, it, imagine it like you're giving a, you have 10 minutes of oral argument at the Court of Appeals in Oregon. Yeah. And someone else gets 40 minutes they can craft a lot more arguments and, uh, and go into a lot more depth than you can in 10. If you found out someone's taking 40 and you're getting 10, you're like, well, wait a minute. Like, no, I, I would like an extra half hour to really delve into some of these arguments. I didn't realize I had all that time. That's unfair. Or maybe I lost the game because the, the thing because of that, right? It's the same idea. And you can imagine people are losing contracts. They're losing jobs. It says Scott Frost's record is 12 and 20 in his first three seasons in Nebraska. That's not even 500. That is not good. He's on the hot seat, so he's doing all he can. It seems like, if these are all true, seems like he got a lot of damning evidence. Now he's going to try to blame somebody, but it looks like he's on the hot seat. He could be out. Nebraska could be kind of screwed up. Yeah. Well, let's stay in the Big Ten, and let's move to Michigan. Now, Michigan is also in a little bit of hot water because they allowed a, an analyst, not a coach, to do some coaching. And we've talked about this in the past where you have countable coaches, right? Yeah, countable coach. Every sport has a certain number of countable coaches on their designation that they can have. Football used to have 10, now they have 11. But you can't have like 30. And the reason being is because like in Alabama would hire 40 coaches. Some schools couldn't afford that. Best of the best. Yeah, and they have double the coaches. And it's like, that's not competitively fair. We're not going to let you do that. Just like you can only have 11 players on the field. You can't have 12 players on the field at a time during football, right? It's the same idea. You don't have so many countable coaches. We used to go over this at all the time at USC and Oregon State too, but at USC. you got to be so careful as an analyst. You're, I've, I've talked about this before. All you can really do is observe, watch, take notes. And then when you're behind closed doors with coaches, you can say, hey, coach, I'm seeing this out there. You may want to do this. You might want to do that. that. That's helpful because right. you're an extra set of eyes. I would always tell the coaches that. You're an extra set of eyes. You have no mouth. 
Right. If you're out there with a mouth, it's a problem, right? If you're around kids and there's a mouth, it's going to be a problem. You're just eyes. And I would say that over and over and over. And sometimes I would see that. I'd be out there at practice. I'd be doing a carrot watch, accountable athletic related activity. I'm at, I'm at practice. I'm watching the coaches. I'd see some analysts, and he starts putting his arms out. And he waves a kid over, and he's like, look. This is, and he's like motioning for a motion. I'm like, uh-uh, nap, nap, nap. Not only is that a problem, another, the media is all around. They're right. going to take a picture of it and put it on Twitter, and then some other school is going to see it. So then afterwards, I'd say, hey, coach, yeah, I saw you out there coaching. You know, what, uh, what are you confused about? Oh, no, I just got in the heat of the moment. I wasn't even thinking. You know, I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. You know, okay, no problem. We're going to have to file a violation. But we'll, we'll just say it was, it was minimal. I caught it right away. And they usually get a little mad at you. Like, oh, no, no, can we just let this go? It's not a big deal. Sorry, coach. I observed it. I don't know who else observed it. And we got to do the right thing. I mean, you were coaching. You had them down. And and so we'd file those those violations from time to time. Right. And Which don't usually turn into anything. Especially if it's right. a one-off, quick One-off little, kind of thing. Like the NCAA says, thank you. Yeah. And let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's not have them practice for two weeks. And yeah. we're good. So, and a lot, but the problem is a lot of these analysts are former players, right? And and, former coaches. And former coaches, (laughs) and they want, they're trying to work their way back up to being a GA or assistant coach or something. And and so they're they're wanting to prove themselves, again, just like your normal, you know, your normal assistant coach. People that are stretching sometimes make mistakes. Exactly. And so, so, um, you know, I... Probably won't be that big of a deal. It does sound like this analyst was doing a lot of coaching over a long a period of time. Yeah. What type? What level of violation would that? Would you be looking at? I would give that a level two violation, okay. probably. And if you had a level two violation, um, that could be something where they like say, "Hey, we're going to take away some of your scholarships, and we're going to keep you guys off the recruiting trail for thirty days or something like gotcha. that." So that they'll hit them. It won't be. Crazy and major, but they're going to be hit. They're going to feel it and go, "Gosh, we're down two scholarships now." Yeah. Or you know, it's so. Is this this is just a byproduct of of just not monitoring, right? Just kind of yeah. being careful, right? Yeah. You're poorly monitoring. You're disorganized, and you have coaches that aren't necessarily following the rules because they know it's not that hard. I mean, I would have a room of, and I'm telling you, Spencer, every Monday morning I would do this. I would go to the football offices. There would be a conference room with about forty or fifty people in it, and I would get five minutes, and I'd walk in and go, "Coaches, all right." Thanks for being here. Just as a reminder, you analysts, QC people, anybody that's not a accountable coach, here's the list of the accountable coaches. There are 11 of you. If your name is not here, you're only eyes at practice. You have no mouth, no coaching. Any questions? I feel like that was probably your phrase right there like you just said. I, I, all eyes, no mouth. I said it over and over. All eyes, no mouth. Any questions? No coaching at practice. Good, good. So if anybody didn't follow that, and then two days later they're at practice or at coaching, coaching, it's like, no, man, you're not, you're either not listening, you're not, you're confused, you weren't paying attention to me, but I'm hitting you up for advice. Now, I wasn't everyone's best friend because I am a, a kind of a cop in that way. You're right. But all the media is there too, right? And they're taking pictures. And we had it happen one time where we had an analyst doing something and the media caught it and put it on the Twitter. I had the thing taken down from Twitter. We filed the violation. Another school side. It was a problem, you know? And, right. And so that was kind of the hard part about being in compliance. You sometimes had to be the bad guy. You had to give people kind of blunt, honest. Now, it was hard because these are your team that you were right. doing it to, right? That was not an easy role. Uh, but that's what you have to do. So, so you're out there, Oregon fan, Oregon State fan, cannibal coaches can coach. There's a few exceptions on a couple of small things that, like, strength and conditioning coaches can right. do. There's kind of a red, green, yellow bucket, actually. Right. Um, but for the most part, this person was eyes. They didn't have a mouth. They can't coach. They were out coaching. And it's a problem, and so Michigan's going to have to deal with it now. All right. Well, uh, hopefully that's uh... – Hopefully they turn that around, and I, I, you know, college football is in a good place when Nebraska and Michigan are doing are doing well, right? So we'd yeah. like to see them do well. But uh, 
But we'll keep an eye on what kind of penalties they could be looking at. We still don't know what kind of penalties Arizona State could be looking at. and that's Significant. Another, yeah. And we're going to know in the next 30 days or less, I'm, I'm predicting. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye out and keep, keep everybody informed about what kind of penalties come down. All right, this is AP and Spence. We're coming back, uh, talking some more college sports here. Um, and, you know, we're, we're coming upon, we're right in the middle of fall camp, right? Fall camp starts how many days before the first game? Fall camp starts, it kind of depends, but it's generally, it, there's, there's like a um, mathematical calculation that's a little bit unique for each team, depending on when your first game is. Right. It's something like four weeks or something. Yeah, it's roughly 30 days. I mean, to not, but it's not an exact science, but around there. So we're about halfway through fall camp at this point. Most teams are a couple of weeks from having their first game around September 4th or that's so. Right. And so we're a couple of weeks away. This is where now you start having injuries in practice. Because you you do an acclimatization period in fall camp. Right. You start no pads. No pads. It's, it's called, yeah, it's helmets only. It's basically a helmet, and you're wearing a T-shirt and shorts. And you're basically just kind of jogging around, going through some basic motions. They want kids to get out there. Because otherwise, coaches, if it was just full gung-ho, first day, they're hitting people full pads, doing things, people getting all hurt. It was, it was invented to help kids. So we, we would have this massive tracker. That's where I got my, my love for trackers because I had to keep tons of them. And it, it just, you do love trackers. I do, and they helped me. They've saved me a million times. So, uh, yeah, so we'd have this tracker, and you would have acclimatization period. First two days of practices, helmets only, and then just shorts and T-shirts. No pads, no spiders, nothing like that. And then days three and four, you could do shells. That's helmet, shoulder pads, called shells. And then the fifth practice, you could have full pads. You finally could have full pads. You can only have, in fall camp, Three scrimmages, and a scrimmage is defined as where it's primarily like live 11 game. on 11, yeah. five, you know, live hitting, that sort of thing. Um, and you can only have three of those. That's usually people talking about the spring game. Spring game right. is just a practice. It's, right. it's, a, it's a practice scrimmage, uh, really, and you get three of them. Some, you don't have to use them, but you can get them. And that's it. And we're about halfway through. Players are starting to get kind of banged up a little bit. They're getting tired. They're getting anxious. We're two weeks to practice. Most people know the playbook by now. Most people are ready to go by now. They're starting to get in shape. They've been running for two or three weeks hard. They're starting to learn the drills. They're catching balls. And uh, a lot of growth is going to happen in the next two weeks. What's going to happen, too, we're going to decide on starters. Right. Who's the starter? Who's the backup? Who's this and that? Um, and it can be tough. Imagine if you're a junior, Spencer, and you're right on the cusp of being a starter. You have a really good camp. you got some freshman that comes in. Who's just a stud. A super stud. But you're right there, and you're doing really good, and you've been on the team for three years, working your butt off, and that person just edges you out. And, you're, and the coaches say, well, you're a close second. You're going to be getting a lot of playing time, but you can, your feelings can get hurt. You're like, jeez, right. man. Like, I've been here three years working my butt off, you know, and, and helping the team. And, and I've been uh, waiting my turn, and... So you're going to see some transfers. It's a really hard time. And then those games start, man, and it's full-out sprint. It's boom, 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 boom with only one bye week. And, and you go. And I've been on those sidelines. Spencer, when you watch it on TV, you just don't appreciate it. You see those hits or whatever. Like, oh, a pretty tough hit. When you're eight feet away and you hear, like, a train wreck go by, you can hear teeth clatter, heads knock. I mean, it's unbelievable right. how hard they're hitting each other and how hard they're playing. And it's no wonder people get hurt all the time. Yeah. Well, and it'll be interesting to see how, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how as fall camp goes on, if there are injuries to major players. But one of the things that I'm interested about is seeing the dynamic of the players now with the new NIL rules. Yeah. Right. I know we've talked about this. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, you have the starting football 
you know, I know that like the Ohio State big quarterback has already signed deals up to a million dollars. Yeah, a lot of players right? now have. Right. Yeah. And so and so, how is that, how do you think that's going to affect the locker room? It's going to be weird because there's going to be a lot of players, probably 75% of them on teams, that don't have any deal at all right? and would love a deal. And they're like, gosh, I'm just as good as that guy. He just is in a little bit of better position. He's a starter. And now he's getting a ton of money. He's got a Tesla. He's got a new car he's buying. He's got this and that. And I've got nothing still, man. This doesn't make sense. I'm working my body. And there's going to be that for a while. And there's going to maybe be a sense of like, I can help that guy out. Right. They won't block as hard for that guy, that right. jerk. He hasn't thanked me. He didn't buy me a Rolex. You know, some teams they'll do that where like um Yeah, you know, the starting quarterback buys everybody a Rolex once he signs a you know, yeah. multi million dollar deal. Yeah, to be like, I want you to protect me, help me out, I'm helping you guys out. I understand that you, part of my success is because of you. Uh we might see some of that. I don't know. I know uh JT Daniels, who I worked really hard to get admitted to USC right. and eligible. He he graduated a year early. Um, and we had to work, I, I was the one that did that. And I worked with, um, you know, the NCA on that, his eligibility. He was one of the first high profile football players to graduate early, get all of his stuff done. He did it. He transferred from USC's at Georgia now, a starting quarterback at Georgia, That's kind right. of a star. He signed a big name, image, and likeness deal. He said he's going to share a bunch of the proceeds with a lot of his teams. He's just going to do it. He's like, I'm going to make a ton of money. Yep. And I'm going to just do, 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 So everybody's good. You know, now I think. Agents are hating this. Runners are hating this because there's a lot more money flowing to them, not from them. Right. So they have less control over these kids. Um, but we'll see what happens. It's going to be a roller coaster, man. And yeah. we're clicked in, and we're on the uh, the uh, Thunder, uh, you know, mountain at Disneyland, and we're going around Love a corner it. right now, and and uh, we're ready, man. Yeah, let's go. So, anyways, football's right around the corner. Uh, we're going to be doing a football college pick'em every week. Yes. If you're interested, shoot us an email at college sports attorneys at gmail.com. I will send you an invite. Um, anybody who wants to participate can, we'd love it. We love fan participation. We'll, I'll, we'll make this announcement again next week and I'll put it on our Twitter page, but we're going to have a fun year. Let's have some fun, watch some college football and enjoy, enjoy hopefully some normalcy with some college football games. You might have to wear a mask when you're going to the games, but at least there'll be games. Yeah. Next week we'll, we'll, we'll pre- preview some teams. That's Oregon, right. Oregon State, USC, BYU, uh, Pac-12 in general. We'll talk about some of these teams, what we expect from them, what's going to be happening. And I think we'll have a guest that works at a football staff All right. join us, and they can talk a little bit about their prep going into the week. I love it. All right. Everybody enjoy the weekend. Stay cool out there, and, uh, and have, a great, have a great time. See you, everybody.